Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by The Green Solution. As always, visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations, or you guys can browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and you can pick them up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use promo code BSN20, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here, Thursday edition of the show. Quick solo show before I get on a plane to San Antonio for games three and four of the Nuggets first round series. Game three, of course, Thursday. Game four, Saturday at AT AT&T Center. Place the Nuggets have Lost 13 games in a row, but some optimism. That's what you definitely feel about this Nuggets team right now, especially after that Game 2 win where Denver really came back from the dead. And in the locker room, you definitely got the sense that this was a team who got a shot of confidence in the arm. They got injected with some confidence after this one, as you would probably expect. And now Denver goes from a team who... If they had dropped that game too, obviously they were probably finished in this first round series to possibly having the momentum and possibly being the favorite to win this first round series. Now they're definitely going to have to win a game in San Antonio after dropping that game one in Denver if they want to win this series. So that's the big deciding factor to watch over the rest of this weekend into this weekend. Can the Nuggets take one of these games in San Antonio? I think they can. I don't know if it's going to be Game 3. Game 3 seem like they're historically tough to win with that road team coming back home. The fans in San Antonio are going to be crazy here on Thursday night. You guys know I've said this on the podcast before. 
AT&T Center. I saw a Nuggets game there last season. It is a tough place to play. Something about that arena. There's been a lot of winning there. There's been a lot of championships there. Those fans are nasty. They're mean. They know how to cheer for the Spurs. I've been watching these Avalanche games in this first round series against Calgary, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have. And when that Pepsi Center crowd chants, go Avs, go, it seems like the fans are going to blow the roof off the arena. Get ready for a lot of go Spurs, go chants Thursday and Saturday at AT AT&T Center. I'm going to be excited to see how the Young Nuggets handle it. I think now they've got their bearings in the playoffs. They know it's a heightened intensity. They know there's more pressure, but they haven't been on the road yet. So I'm curious to see how they react in game three. If I had to throw a prediction out there right now, I'd say they drop game three, but come back to win game four Saturday in San Antonio. Come back to Denver 2-2. Win game five, drop game six, and then clinch the series at home in game seven. I predicted the Nuggets take this series in seven before this series started. I didn't anticipate Denver dropping game one, though, but that prediction still on the table. So on today's show, going to hit a couple questions from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. A few of you guys called in after that game two win. I think we got one question that held over from the game one loss. I want to remind you guys, if you got a question for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, it's just an answering machine, so leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and leave a question. Also, hit on throughout the show some adjustments I'm looking for the Nuggets to make, some I think they'll make, and some they should think about implementing in this Game 3. So we will get to that as well. First of all, I want to start with a question about Nikola Jokic and what he's done over the first two games of this series. Let's go there right now. Hello, this is Corey from Florida calling about the Joker, Big Honey, Nikola Jokic. He is so far averaging a triple-double in the playoffs, which is insane. And it's crazy how he he got a triple-double and we lost. I don't think that happens very often. But um, how's about that? Our Our star... Our superstar, Nikola Jokic, averaging a triple-double in the playoffs. Do you think over his career those will be numbers that he can keep up? Or do you think he'll kind of tail off and just have really good numbers but not, not quite the triple-double? wonder what you guys think. Just trying to stay positive for these games coming ahead because the playoffs can be intense and the media coverage is certainly uh, intense as well. I appreciate all the, the hard work you guys put in. Go Nuggets. Thanks for the call, Corey. Appreciate it. So let's talk about the Joker and what he's done in this series so far. So in that first game, obviously, the Spurs throw a ton of double teams at him. He plays the role of distributor, like we would assume he would. He finds a lot of open shooters. He makes the right play really throughout. I thought there were a couple times where he did get one-on-one coverage, and if he would have made a quicker move, he would have been able to get a really high-quality shot up at the basket. So that was my one kind of bone to pick with his game one. But, you know, overall, I thought it was a good showing in his playoff debut. He comes back in game two, I thought looked a bit more aggressive out of the gate. And also in game two, I did not feel like the Spurs doubled him as much. I did not think they sent the double with the same amount of persistence as they did in game one. And I felt like Jokic took advantage for the most part. And he finishes with 21 points. 13 rebounds, 8 assists 
in game two. And I think if you take a step back, if you're a Nuggets fan, you got to be pretty happy with how he has looked in his first two playoff games. I mean, this is a kid who's never really played in a high-stakes environment like the playoffs before, going up against a guy in LaMarcus Aldridge who's got a ton of, of playoff experience under his belt. And I think you got to be pretty happy with the effort Jokic has put forward in both these games here. He hasn't really backed down from the challenge, and he's looked comfortable out there. He's looked pretty poised for the most part. I do feel like the doubles have got to him mentally. I mentioned that on the show earlier this week, how in game one he was kind of just waiting for that double to arrive and then looking to make the play, not really forcing the action by himself. But in game two, I felt like he looked more comfortable. Shot 7 to 15 from the field. Not the typical efficiency we're used to, but a bunch of those shots were on putbacks and kind of him tapping the ball around the rim off of a missed shot. So he had a more efficient offensive night than that. The two of three from three-point range was great. If he can be a threat from beyond the arc, like he hasn't been as much as a lot of people thought he would be this season, that's going to be big going forward for Denver. And like Corey mentioned, he's averaging a triple-double in the playoffs right now through two games. And the list of players to average a triple-double in the playoffs, it's a short one. It's Oscar Robertson in 1962. He averaged 29 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists in four playoff games. Jason Kidd in 2007, that's probably the most impressive numbers on this list. He averaged 14.5 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists in 12 playoff games. Westbrook in 2017, across five playoff games, averaged 37.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, 11 assists. And Nicole Jokic through two games, 15.5 points, 13.5 rebounds, 11 assists. James Harden also averaging a triple-double so far in these playoffs through two games, 30.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, 10.5 assists. So I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you got to be happy with these two games Jokic has had. He could have been better for sure. I think especially in that game one, he could have looked to attack a little quicker, gotten some high-quality looks around the rim, but he, of course, made the right play, and that's what we expect from him. And he continued to do that in game two. Sure enough, a lot of those shots that came off of Jokic kickouts in game one, the Nuggets converted on in game two. Here's what I'll be watching for when it comes to Nikola Jokic in game three. The one action the Spurs can kind of hurt Jokic on is the pick and pop with LaMarcus Aldridge because the Nuggets haven't really been switching that action a lot this series. And when Jokic hangs back, or even if he hedges, it's tough for him, it's tough for anybody to get across to Aldridge to recover on that pick and pop. And Aldridge has hurt him sometimes on that. And, you know, Aldridge isn't like shooting incredible this series. He, he hasn't been too efficient, but he's gotten some open shots that way. And once he gets the ball in that kickback on the pick and pop, Jokic is coming out to him, and we've seen Aldridge kind of go shot fake and go by him as well. So I'm interested to see how the Nuggets guard that action here. If maybe they look to switch some more, if they you know, adjust some things so Jokic isn't on that island by himself. I'm curious to see how they adjust for that because it's one action I feel like the Spurs feel pretty confident in, and so I would expect them to go to it a lot more over the rest of the series. I got a couple more questions, a couple more adjustments I think the Nuggets should look to make here in Game 3. Got to hit a break, though. When we come back, I'll get back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. More of your questions, more of my thoughts on Game 3. Stay tuned. Hyper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. 
Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to BSN Nuggets Podcast presented by The Green Solution. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday, heading out to San Antonio for Game 3 and 4 this week, this weekend. Excited, excited to see how the Nuggets look away from home, how this young playoff team looks on the road and what's sure to be a raucous playoff environment. So we'll see how it goes. Let's get back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. I want to talk a little bit more about Will Barton and Malik Beasley. There could be a change there. We touched on it during Wednesday's show, but I wanted to get out some other thoughts on that topic right now. My name is Chris from New York, and uh, what a win for the Nuggets tonight. Jamal Murray was huge. But um, going into game three, Will Barn has basically, he's almost made us get swept in the series. Do you think Malone has it in him in game three to start Beasley instead of him? Or do you think he's going to keep him in the lineup and hopefully he'll make some shots? Thanks for the question, Chris. So, to your question there, does Mike Malone have the guts to pull Will Barton out of the starting lineup and insert Malik Beasley? I think he would have the guts to make a move like that. I would be surprised, however, if that move is made for Game 3. And personally, I would not make that move for Game 3. I would hold off on that front. Will Barton's been bad this playoffs. He'd be the first to admit that. He has not been himself. He's been shooting 7-25 to from the field, 28%, 1 of 11 from 3, he was brutal in game two. He at the side of the backboard there. The fans were booing him, so on and so forth. The thing about this situation, though, is the Nuggets can't lose Will Barton or take the chance of losing him right now. And a move to the bench, I think that would damage his psyche, potentially. And you could run the risk of him kind of getting disconnected here. And I think he'd handle it well. I, I don't think he'd bring down the morale of the team by any means or, or God forbid, be a problem in the locker room. That's not what would happen. But you wonder what that would do to his psyche. You know, he's a prideful guy who's battled injuries this season and obviously hasn't looked himself. You wonder you know, what that would just do to his morale moving to the bench. And if you do want to beat the Spurs, and if you do want to make a substantially long playoff run, you're going to need more from Will Barton. So I think the Nuggets continue to roll with them in game three. I would personally continue to roll with him in game three. Now, we'll see what happens Thursday. You know, if Will Barton has another game like this and you're facing game four on Saturday, down 2-1 with 
the thought in the back of your mind of potentially going down 3-1. Maybe you make a change then. But I would give Will Barton one more game to find an offensive rhythm. Because in game one, I felt like he was pretty solid defensively. He was really solid on DeMar DeRozan. He was pretty good when those two guys matched up. And it's just the offensive rhythm, which he just hasn't really had here as of late. But that being said, an adjustment I would make for game three, if I'm Michael Malone, is more Malik Beasley minutes. And he doesn't have to start, but he can definitely finish games like he did in game two. And if you just look at the Nuggets lineups in this series through two games, again, small sample size, but you know we've got to analyze it. It's been two games. Nuggets starters have played 36 minutes. The Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic lineup. They've been bad offensively, 104.1 offensive rating. They've been really good defensively, 90.7 defensive rating for a 13.4 net rating. So you still take that if you're Denver, and now the offensive struggles obviously stick out with that starting line, just how poorly they've looked at the beginning of games. But when you look at the starters and Beasley subbed in for Will Barton, the numbers look incredible. And obviously, that lineup's only played nine minutes together. The last nine minutes of the Game 2 victory, they were incredible there. 162.5 offensive rating, 82.4 defensive rating, 80.1 net rating. So I would certainly look to get that lineup minutes together. You know, maybe it's in the first quarter. Obviously, at the end of the game, if Malik Beasley's out playing Will Barton, you close the game with Beasley. But I would stick with Will Barton in the starting lineup for one more game and just give him another chance to get that offensive rhythm. That lineup I just mentioned with the starters and Malik Beasley that played nine minutes the other night outscored the Spurs 26-14 to 14 in nine minutes over that fourth quarter. So a really impressive run for them. But like I said a minute or so ago, I would look to get Malik Beasley more minutes here in game three. He only played five minutes, I believe, in the first half of game two. Not nearly enough. He comes off the bench late in the third quarter the other night and pretty much plays out the rest of the game. And here's the thing about Malik Beasley. Obviously, he's got the great three-point shot. Obviously, he can jump out of the gym. And there's a piece on bsndenver.com right now that's posting Thursday morning. And I assume most of you will be listening to this podcast after it's already up, written by Christian Clark. And it's about if Malik Beasley is kind of Michael Malone's next move to make here, just giving him more minutes, which, like I just said, I think it should be. There's a clip in the article of Malik getting a pass on the perimeter and attacking the rim and then dumping the ball off to one of Denver's big men. But what you've got to notice in this clip is how Malik Beasley, he gets a running start when he receives the ball on the perimeter and penetrates into the lane. Not a ton of guys do this. And I thought that was just a really interesting uh, little tidbit on Beasley there. He gets a running start. Before he catches the ball, he kind of sprints into the pass as he receives it. So he gets a head of steam going down the lane. So look for that on bsndenver.com if you're looking to read a bit more about why Beasley should get more minutes here. Beasley is such a fascinating piece to this team. Obviously, he's really emerged this season after kind of being an afterthought over his first two years with the Nuggets. He obviously came into a pretty quality team with guys ahead of him on the depth chart, guys that were older than him, and it's been tough for him to break into this rotation. But it's interesting to compare 
the career paths of Malik Beasley and Jamal Murray. They were both blue chip recruits out of high school. They were both one and dones in college. The only difference was Jamal Murray went seventh, Malik Beasley went 19th. And if you look back at that draft, I've been told by a lot of people who would know around the league that Malik Beasley would have gone in the lottery if he was healthy in the pre-draft process. And if you remember, he had a stress fracture in his foot. He did not work out for any teams throughout the pre-draft process, and that dropped him down draft boards all the way to 19th. If he was healthy, he would have been a top 15 pick. And right now, he might be on a worse team, but he might be averaging 20 points per game in a starting role where he's playing 30 minutes a night. But I think because of the situation Beasley has been in in Denver, where he's been a third-string guy, and now a backup guy at a couple positions over the last couple of seasons. I think that's driven him because I think he looks at himself as a guy who was a heralded recruit and a one-and-done guy and just somebody who probably should have been a higher draft pick than he was. And I think that drives him. I think that motivates him. My read on Malik Beasley is he's always trying to prove people wrong. He's always trying to prove that he should be a starter in this league He's always trying to prove that he should get more minutes. And he's been pissed off before. He's been very unhappy about his playing time before I've heard. But I feel like he's channeled that this season into a breakout year. And Malik Beasley now is going to earn a lot of money in this league. I don't know if that's going to be in Denver. I'm not sure if the Nuggets are going to be able to afford to keep him and Jamal Murray and a couple of these young foundational pieces. We shall see. But I do think the fact that he dropped in the draft and has kind of been this afterthought on the Nuggets over the last couple of years while guys like Jamal Murray and Gary Harris have kind of emerged and established themselves as franchise cornerstones here, I feel like that drives him and that pushes him. And we've seen the results of that, in my opinion, this year. Every time he goes out on the floor, he's trying to prove people wrong. And I think you can tell that in his play style. Also, this is an unofficial stat, but... Every big-time run the Nuggets have had this season has been with Malik Beasley on the floor. It just seems like he can inject energy into a game. And I mentioned this a little on Wednesday's show, but his threes, you know, he's never going to be a guy who's scared to shoot. He came out in the second half of this one probably a bit ticked off that he hadn't really been involved over the first two quarters and immediately forked up a couple threes. One of them went in. The game's momentum began to change right then. He can obviously inject energy into a team, inject energy into a game in a building with a dunk, but good things just seem to happen when he's on the floor. I think if you're comparing him and Will Barton, you get more offensively right now with Beasley. You probably lose a little defensively with Beasley. Personally, I'd feel more comfortable with Barton out there on the defensive end. But to kind of sum that up, I would expect more minutes from Malik Beasley. In game three, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be playing at least 20 minutes here in this one, maybe more if he's closing this game. But in terms of moving him into the starting lineup, I would hold off for another game, reevaluate after Thursday night, see what happens, and you know maybe then look to make a switch. But the Nuggets have preached really throughout the end of the season, really this entire season, and even into the playoffs, that they're going to roll with what got them here. That's their line of thinking. That's what they've thought all season long. But again, it's the playoffs. The stakes are higher. This is what really matters. So we'll see what Denver does. One more question to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, as well as some final tweaks I think Denver should make to its game plan here and some things I think they need to do in Game 3 to get a win. We've got to hit one more break, though. 
We'll be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. And we're back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit MyGreenSolution.com and use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase Got one more call to get here from our guy, Chris. He's calling from the parking lot following game two. Let's hear what he had to say. Oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. Uh, it's Chris in Denver uh, called, a, called in the parking lot after game two. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I gave up, but it looks like, uh, it, it, it looks like the crowd didn't, weren't the only ones that had a hard time getting into the building on time. What a fourth quarter. I don't. I don't know what to say. So, I, I all I could do is recite facts at this point and hope to have some sort of cogent point. Jamal Murray started out 0 of 8, finished 8 of 9. His only miss being a, a, a shot that he took to, to kill the clock to, to, to give to give the Nuggets more time. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say about that. The, the, the man had thir- three points in the first three quarters finished the game with 24 uh, he single he is the player of the game I mean Jokic was the best player but you know everyone's gonna kill Murray for missing his his shot at the end of the last fourth quarter well you gotta kiss the man's ass for basically winning it in this fourth quarter I really don't know what to say um it just like they're shot falling and all of a sudden they were able to make up 18 points in 14 minutes of basketball against a well-coached underrated team uh they seem to have outplayed them um i don't know like what do you what do you guys think uh first off what you think of murray's fourth quarter second what uh what changes when they go to san antonio what else is pop gonna do i mean I sit behind the hoop, and I, I kind of went unconscious during the game with rage and then elation. But what adjustments do you think they made? What uh, what adjustments do you think are coming? Um, I don't know. Curious what you think. Uh, also, uh, Kane, Kane Fitzgerald could suck it. That's it for me. Uh, great game. Love the show. Keep up the great work, and go Nuggets. Thanks for the call, Chris, as always. Love it. I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but Chris was feeding me stats on Kane Fitzgerald all game and how he wasn't calling any fouls in the Nuggets' favor. 
He sent me at one point, Kane Fitzgerald had scored, had called 13 fouls on the Spurs, two fouls on the Nuggets. I believe him. I haven't gone back and verified the stats, but I believe him. The officiating was rough for Denver. And coming into this game, it was supposed to be James Capers, who was the crew chief here, who, of course, threw Nikola Jokic out against the Wizards just not that long ago. And then Derek Collins, who apparently the Nuggets were like 4-13 and in the last 17 games refed by Derek Collins. I saw that stat out there. But now, apparently, Kane Fitzgerald's in on the joke as well. As long as Denver avoids Tony Brothers in this series, they should be okay. Anyways, after game one, I wrote about three adjustments the Nuggets needed to make heading into game two. They were better shot selection, quicker moves on the block for Nikola Jokic, and getting out in transition more. More fast break opportunities. The Nuggets had zero fast break points in game one. The Spurs had two. Denver did all three of those things better in game two, and it seemed like to me that all three of those items were on the Nuggets game plan of tweaks they want to make and, and things they circled that they want to do better in game two. I thought they had better shot selection. Then again, in the first half, not a lot of those shots went in, but generally I thought the process was good. Denver was getting good shots for the most part. They got a bunch of open corner threes. Really, Jamal Murray was the only guy who I felt like struggled in that capacity in the first half of game two from a shot selection standpoint. I felt like Nicole Jokic was more assertive on the block. He went earlier before the doubles came in game two, I thought. Also, I didn't think the Spurs doubled him as hard. They didn't bring that double with the same type of persistence as they did in game one, and I thought like Jokic adjusted pretty well. You could also tell from Denver's perspective, there was a huge emphasis to get out on the break. Like I mentioned, the Nuggets had zero fast break points in game one. It's unheard of, right? In game two, they had 21 fast break points. Game one was played at a really slow pace, a 92.4 pace. It was the slowest pace game one in the playoffs so far. Game two was played at a 95.8 pace, so a little bit faster. Still pretty slow, but we do know this is the playoffs. It's going to be a possession game. The pace is going to slow down a bit. And San Antonio, man, for two straight games... They have really tried to limit Denver's fast break points and fast break opportunities. I have not seen a team look to get back on defense like San Antonio does this season. They're even doing it more than they did throughout the Nuggets and Spurs four meetings. They really only send one guy to the offensive glass. Sometimes they don't send anybody, but they do a great job of getting back. That's obviously something the Spurs have stressed and something they want to do this series, but Denver did a good job of picking the pace up in this game, getting out in transition. And also, when you get out in transition, the defense doesn't have as much time to set up. You can get Nikola Jokic more opportunities in the post and semi-transition before the defense can really get their bearings. So I thought that was another good adjustment from Denver. Finally, when it comes to the Nuggets front court, Denver needs to have either Nikola Jokic or Paul Millsap on the floor at all times. Mason Plumlee's numbers have not looked great in this series. He was out there for 20 minutes in game two, and he was really out there a lot because there was some foul trouble with Paul Millsap specifically. So there were a lot of Jokic and Mason Plumlee minutes. But like we've said before on this show, if you're playing Jokic and Mason Plumlee against the Spurs second unit, that probably means that one of those guys has to guard Davis Bertans. And if I'm the Spurs, I play Davis Bertans more. I mean, this is the best three-point shooter in the league this year. 
and he only played 16 minutes the other night in game two. I would not be surprised if Greg Popovich throws Davis Bertans out there a bit more here in game three. I certainly would because the Nuggets with that second unit front line of Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic, I don't think they're going to be able to guard him. They're not going to be able to get out to the perimeter and contest those threes. He hit one on Plumlee in game one. So I'm curious to watch that. If Greg Popovich goes to Davis Bertans more in game three, I certainly would. So if I'm Denver, always have either Nikola Jokic or Paul Millsap out on the floor. And I would be a little hesitant to play those Plumlee Jokic lineups against that Spurs second unit if Bertans is out there. All right, that's all the time I got for today, guys. Thanks for listening. Heading off to San Antonio for games three and four. Hit the Total Beverage Fan Hotline for questions, 1-800-BSN-8394. We'll be recording podcasts down in San Antonio. So we'll have some pods later this week and into this weekend after Game 4 on Saturday for sure. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you guys then. Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.